You're listening to Once, episode 111, Lost Girl, full discussion. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you listening with us to talk about Lost Girl. We've had our chance to review this a lot more and bring some of your great feedback into this. We've got some great screenshots and more. So make sure that you check out the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash one one. One and special thanks to Winnie for doing those show notes for us. Thanks, Winnie. <laughs> Thank and you. Before we get into the content, let me remind you: podcast awards are open for nomination. Please check out oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to find out how you can nominate our shows. And once the voting starts, to how to vote for our shows that make it into the nominations. You can also sign up for a daily email reminder once the voting starts. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. This episode being just the second of the third season, I think really shows that they're taking this season, I I think, a lot more seriously than second season. I Mm. feel like the writing is better. the, The acting is better. I think that the way that they're moving the story along, at least in Neverland, is better. Regina annoys me this season. I think the premise is better. I will say that. Definitely like the storyline better. I like that here in Enchanted Forest, and that's where we'll start our discussion, that it ties in so much with the first season. Like, they even used some of Mark Isham's music again. Well, I mean, it's all Mark Isham's music, (laughs) but they're using some of his first season music again, like the Evil Queen's Mm -hmm. song. Well, same themes, I guess, because we were seeing some of that story. Yeah. We didn't see the inside of a single building in this episode (laughs) as a trivia note it was all jungle or forest wow that's amazing yeah it's true and lots of camping lots and lots there was lots of camping i would probably enjoy it if it weren't for the you know like if i were there i would enjoy it if it weren't for the you know peril and the the thorns dripping with venom slash poison and (laughs) You know, like if my child weren't missing and stuff like that, I would really enjoy it. Yeah, it sounds like a nice vacation spot other than those things. Yeah, <laughs> menacing forever children. I mean, never children. <laughs> oh, by the way, side note here, a little teaser. <laughs> I mentioned Mark Isham's music. We are working on scheduling an interview with Mark Isham. And this is the surprise that I was hinting about of why we're putting off reviewing the soundtrack. Because... We're probably going to get to interview Mark Isham at the same time as we're reviewing the third, second season soundtrack. So if you have certain questions that you'd like to ask Mark Isham, then email feedback at oncepodcast.com with the subject line Mark Isham. And that's I-S-H-A-A-M should is we, his last name. Should we prepare to hear you geek out? Over music. <laughs> yeah, I am a real big soundtrack fan. That's almost all the music I have. So it'll be really <laughs> cool to have that. So email us your questions. I try to keep it to just one short question. 
uh, per email or just per person, really. But uh, we'll see how it goes. And when we can schedule that interview, we'll certainly let you know. But that's coming down. One word only in your questions, please. (laughs) Let's talk about Enchanted Forest here. Now, this was the third time I've watched this episode. And the third time around, I realized the Enchanted Forest part of this story answered questions that we weren't really asking. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it did. But it tied in nicely with what was going on in Neverland. Those questions being what? Did Snow struggle with who she was and who she was supposed to be? Did she struggle with confidence? Did she struggle with keeping her hair silky smooth while living in the wilderness? Answer is yes. What did Regina do after snow came and uh, I, I mean after snow was awoken what was her right. immediate reaction her initial reaction i think i got from it that we were seeing what snow what experience snow was coming from that allowed her to encourage emma to kind of find herself or think about who she is. Yeah, it does give us the nice background. And Kitsis and Horowitz are good at giving us character background, not necessarily plot background. So yeah, I think, Jenny, that's a very good point that we need this background for the characters. And I tend to be very plot focused. Mm-hmm. So it's like the emotion <laughs> stuff. Nah. Well, that's, why, plot. that's why I'm here. <laughs> And don't worry, she'll continue to be here in our full discussions. Just for initial reactions, Jenny's stepping out of those because she wants to save her thoughts for you guys listening to the full discussions. She's most likely the same people. (laughs) (laughs) I loved seeing the genie in the mirror. Or actually, he's the magic mirror. If you drop me, I'll make sure you have 14 years bad luck. (laughs) I have a prediction. That was great. (laughs) What's your prediction? We're going to see a lot more of him in a different episode. That could be cool. Just the only reason I'm saying that is because that was an awfully small bit to come back for. Right. Which doesn't mean he didn't do it. And he probably could have done what he did remotely. Oh, yeah. So that might be all it is. But they might also have him in a larger role for something else. I would like that. Because if we're going to show first season kind of material again, or pre-Kirk's kind of material and we show Regina, then the mirror has to be there. He was such an integral part of the first season mm-hmm. in those flashbacks. Then he got locked in a basement. Maybe he's. Maybe we'll see him in Storybrooke. Maybe that's the thing. When we finally see Storybrooke again. Yeah, maybe he'll break out. Maybe he'll run for mayor against Belle. <laughs> <laughs> Another sham election. <laughs> <laughs> but when the mirror shows Regina what's going on, When Snow said, let's take back the kingdom, she was talking about King George's kingdom, primarily. Mm -hmm. So why would Regina care so much? Are you sure about that? Well, I don't think she was. I don't think she was either. When they said it, and this was the in the finale for the first season, Mm -hmm. when she said it, they looked across the lake over to King George's castle, which became Uh their castle. And that's what she was talking about when she said, let's take back the kingdom. Or that seems to be what she was talking about. But yes, maybe she had in mind the broader picture of let's take it back from the two evil rulers, evil King George and evil Queen Regina. Yeah, it actually kind of 
if you remember the dis- kinds of discussions we were having in season one, it begs another question. And I I was going to bring this up, but Trixie's also bringing it up in the chat room. So it is on people's minds. There was there were no mirrors. We rarely saw that the mirror could show things <laughs> that weren't from the vantage point of another mirror. And it's been a while since we thought about sort of the mirror mechanics, I guess. But were they just sort of breaking that again? <gasps> maybe they have. Or is it not a requirement? Maybe she cut that mirror from Rubble Stiltskin, who is also the Beast. Because the Beast's mirror in the Disney version mm-hmm. could look at anything. Right. And you just need to ask. You just needed to ask. It's just funny because it seems like Stiltskin wouldn't have bothered covering his windows and mirrors well maybe he did that see anything anyway maybe he did that because he knew that he'd given her that mirror here's a compromise to all of this (laughs) middle ground for and this could be a reasonable explanation she can only see stuff out in nature from any vantage point using the mirror or she can see into places through a mirror like mirror to mirror but if it's outside and it's not protected but in some way then, like, Rumpelstiltskin's castle probably had some kind of protection spell around it or something. Maybe, maybe not. But a mirror could be, like, a back door into that. But out in nature, <laughs> she could just see whatever she wants to see with the mirror. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hole. But at this point, I figure, eh, I, I'm just going to assume the mirror can show her whatever she wants to see. Yeah, I agree with um, Trixie in the chat room. We'll, they'll need to explain that. I think they will. I hope they will. Snow gave this very inspirational, up to a point, fight speech. But I am not the only one she has made decide. She's terrorized us for far too long. This kingdom doesn't belong to her, it belongs to us. So who is ready to stand beside me and fight for what's rightfully ours? Well, at least they were listening. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> at least they were listening. Yeah, that definitely reminded me of a moment that Daniel sort of created in the podcast during the first season. Yeah, well, this episode goes, this episode of Once Upon a Time takes us back to the first season. Let's take you back to the podcast first season, episode five. People of Storybrook, don't be alarmed. We've always known this area was honeycombed with old mining tunnels. But fear not. I'm going to undertake a project to make this area safe. To rehabilitate it into city use. (laughs) Yes. We will bulldoze it. Yes. Collapse it. Yes. Pave it. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) The town goes wild. Uh, You're supposed to say woo. (laughs) (laughs) Who says fear not? (laughs) That was from episode five. Nice flashback, Jeremy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And uh, that that's uh that's sort of a crowd mechanic you tend to use often now. <laughs> Anytime someone's building anticipation, you start Yes. 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 <laughs> Get we, back the lemons. We've all <laughs> we've all started doing it. And so when they actually did it in the episode, yeah. it was rather comical for me. <laughs> I laughed a lot. Well, a a nice dynamic I saw in this episode and reminding how things tie together with what we've seen in the first season is what Regina said here in this little village to to Mary Margaret, or Snow. You (laughs) need to be alive. You need to be awake so you can spend all your days knowing that I have taken everything that 
was supposed to be yours. You know, if Regina would just not mention things like that, like like her <laughs> real motives behind doing things, I think she would be a little more successful at being evil. Well, this time it is. Like, at this point in the story, this is after Snow was put under the curse from the apple. So this means this is after Regina confronted her in that episode, An Apple Red as Blood, when Regina told her what Cora had done to Daniel ripped out his heart and crushed it in front of him and all of that. So this was when Snow knows that Regina feels like Snow ripped away everything that was supposed to be Regina's. And I think that's the motivation behind this for Regina to say, I'm going to rip away everything that was supposed to be yours. Well, I, I can appreciate her bluntness and her honesty. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a smart move to me to just tell someone all that. It's like, I have no control over my tongue. I'm just going to tell you everything about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm going to take everything that should be yours, yes. and I'm going to hide it in my <laughs> vault. Yes. And you'll never be able to get in yes. unless you find the key under the mat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to our story. In, in this episode, we hear about Merlin. We talked about this a little bit in our initial reactions. He was called a benevolent mage. Mm-hmm. and in Not our, a maid. In our initial reactions, we talked about, and we've talked about this many times before, might he have been the powerful wizard that made the cloak for Red back in those episodes? Could be. Like red-handed when we heard about the cloak made by a powerful wizard. But it's possible. Here he's called a benevolent mage. Same difference. So, you know what? Someone else has been called benevolent. Whom? The blue fairy. Hmm. True. I know a lot of people would disagree with that, thinking that she's the original <laughs> evil. <laughs> We're not seeing much of her, by All the way. All I can do is growl at that idea. I wonder if those people have a name, like shippers, but they're just shipping um, the Blue Fairy as dark. It could be like dark blue. Yes, they're called slanderers. <laughs> <Navy>. Dark star. <laughs> Wait, oh. Maybe that's it. That's... I think I call her navy. Navy. Navy blue. Navy. <laughs> okay. Because navy blue is dark. <laughs> but the the sword, this uh, the sword Excalibur is apparently some kind of enchanted sword I, or magical yes, sword because Rumpelstiltskin later says he wouldn't have been able to destroy it. Seriously, and they brought in some of the actual story here that we're familiar with with sword of the, in the stone, where in sword and the stone it was that only the kingdom's true ruler could pull out that sword and it mm. ended up at least in the Disney movie being that boy and uh, and similar in the fairy actual fairy tale and here it's instead of a specific kingdom's ruler it's any kingdom's ruler apparently wherever <laughs> well, the sword is it's that kingdom's ruler no, that can pull it out no not really only if you're snow and you don't really know the legend and <laughs> well yeah your prince charming is kind of a bit of a liar, but for your own good, supposedly, and he manages to fool you into. I mean, basically, he made Snow out to be very gullible, mm-hmm. which I yeah. guess was the truth. Speaking of charming and lies, he lied twice <laughs> in this episode. Yes, lied for a good cause, I guess. But mm-hmm. still, lying is stupid and bad. <laughs> Don't do it. 
Liar, liar. Or Side seven wound dwarfs on fire. will come after you. Seven. Jeremy, <laughs> you're going to love this feedback Ooh. that we got from Dark One's number one fan. He says uh, about Merlin and the sword and all of that. He says, it makes me wonder if they plan to set up something to do with Camelot and whether we will one day see Merlin. I have a feeling that maybe he will be even more powerful or at least on par than with Rumpelstiltskin or for that matter, the Blue Fairy. Well, those are just some of my thoughts. P.S. If they do cast Merlin, I personally hope he's played by the one and only John DeLancey. John DeLancey. A.K.A. Q from Star Trek, Mm -hmm. which is really freaky because we were talking about Q in the after show on Sunday night. Oh, that's right. We were just joking around about him. He could be a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I think if Merlin is older... But I, I mean, age means nothing in the show. Yeah. People can be all kinds of things. Merlin could be a woman. No. Merlin could be a mermaid. Merlin cannot be a woman or a mermaid. <laughs> Merlin is a wizard. Charming said he is a benevolent mage. Yeah. True. Okay. So we've seen Lancelot. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> by maybe, I mean, maybe he's not dead, really. <laughs> uh, so, yes. That would suggest that they would like to maybe one day get there. Maybe, or it could just be their way of nodding to this fairy tale without ever having plans to cover it. That could be. Just like they've done this many other times, like Jack Spratt, who could eat no fat or something like that, was yeah. probably... You think that, that was him? Probably. Yeah, the thin guy. Munching on munching the carrot. On the carrot As the... legends go, I wouldn't put Jack Spratt and Camelot on the same level. <laughs> or look at what they did with the extra on the DVD and Blu-ray, um, Good Morning Storybook. How many fairy tales they squeezed into that. Goldilocks, um, Cupid, uh, Three Little Pigs, all of this stuff that could be their one and only way of addressing these certain fairy tales then again, they've mentioned other things, too, and they have addressed them. So yeah, it's not necessarily one way or the other, but I could see them just saying, that's in another kingdom. We're not going to cover that, basically, with this point. Just like with Maybe. the poppies from an edge yeah, yeah. of another kingdom. From, and um, we haven't covered Oz. Whoa. Oz. Maybe. I still want them to get around to Oz someday. I do like that Charming did all of this for snow in order to bring out who he knew that she was yeah great marital advice there by the way (laughs) but uh, she needed to realize who she was and the sword helped her do that and stand up and it's that whole uh what do they call that um something (laughs) effect Uh, placebo effect there we go where she believes something and therefore that helps her do it can we please refer to the sword as faux caliber (laughs) sure that works (laughs) regina looked genuinely surprised that snow was able to take a slice at her cheek yeah (laughs) take a slice it could have been her eyeball yeah i thought this could have been a great explanation for the scar that i remember theorizing about in the first season but it wasn't the same location no it wasn't it was a cheek yeah could have been her whole head (laughs) if faux caliber was really sharp but when Snow went and talked to Rumpelstiltskin again, he took her necklace. Mm-hmm. Why? Rude. I think he took it because she wasted his time. <laughs> but and because it was shiny. We've never seen... <laughs> He's basically I, a ferret. <laughs> I was thinking through this. We haven't seen Rumpelstiltskin take 
things without them having some purpose and coming back in some way in the season. Oh, you're smart. Like, remember when he took the hair from <laughs> Snow? And yeah. we knew he had some kind of plan with that. He took Charming's cloak. Forehead the hair. Yeah. And he took then it's Snow's nasty. necklace that used to be her mother's. Yeah, I think that'll be significant. Maybe he'll use it against her someday. <laughs> it could be something else that we'll see as part of that review to precurse Enchanted Forest. Or maybe it will come back at some point in the future but they often refer to things so that we'll remember them and see them again later an object like that although i know there are plenty of things they don't cover like the dragon no (laughs) dragon they could still work that in somewhere possibly maybe in some world or another maybe in present day fairy tale land or past fairy tale land who knows or he's just meant for once upon a time the ride at disneyland but there really wasn't much that happened in enchanted forest and i i didn't actually see much else nope. to talk about because the thing like this like i mentioned that seemed kind of like filler is that it doesn't leave us with any theorization <laughs> that we need to make it didn't necessarily answer questions we were asking i don't think we were asking these questions that it answered that's right. what i mean it was fun mm-hmm. you know from a nostalgia and where the show started kind of standpoint yeah and what kind of made the show fun to begin with was the way they craft those scenes but yeah a little bit fillerish. mm-hmm yeah, and it certainly helps this episode's story, but the story overall eh, doesn't help as much as you know we might want it to. Mm-hmm. Well, before we then journey to Neverland, I want to thank DJ Firewolf, David Newland, and Lisa Slack for donating to make this episode of One's Podcast possible. We really appreciate your support. It helps cover the expenses that we have for running the podcast, the forums, our new podcast, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcast over there at wonderlandpodcast.com and the media hosting getting the dvds and blu-rays so we can review them and get screenshots all of this kind of stuff thank you so much for the donations it really helps out with all the expenses that we have so thank you dj firewolf david newland and lisa slack we really appreciate it thanks Thanks. Thanks so much. And if anyone else would like to donate to sponsor an episode of One's Podcast, or you have a company that would be interested in a corporate sponsorship deal, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Now, let's journey to Neverland. One thing, let's look at the big picture here. I wish we had some epic Neverland music (laughs) for that segue. (laughs) Big picture here is... What we're seeing happening in Neverland right now is people traipsing across an island. And only a few hours or several hours after they got there. True. Nobody slept yet. That's That's, not true. That's why they need their camp. Oh, you mean as we start? Right. Okay. In In this episode. And so it's still the same day of these events. They're still walking around from when they first got there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the big picture of this isn't days later or a day later. So one interesting thing is we haven't seen them in Neverland during the day yet. It's only been at dusk and nighttime. Maybe that's because Peter Pan is keeping it dark. Could be. 
we have seen Neverland in the day before in just yes, we a have. short scene with Balefire and Hook. It was beautiful. Bright, sunny, glistening water. Magical. All of that. <laughs> but when it starts out and Rempel um, stokes that fire, freezes his shadow, cuts it off, he said, you know what to do. Hide it where no one can find it, not even me. But when he said, you know what to do, I wonder if he was referring to something more than just hiding the dagger. Like, if something happens to me, then do this. Well, it it makes me think that the shadow was just a part of him. So the shadow was connected to his thoughts, maybe. Right. Um, but... It's hard. I don't know how to judge the character of a shadow yet. <laughs> yeah. It, They're not very expressive, are they? <laughs> no. He speaks to it as if it's a different being. Well, yeah, it is now because he cut it off. <laughs> kind of like cutting a toenail off. He's Only like a your worm. toenail doesn't, you know, walk and talk. And Well, <laughs> shadows don't really talk. They don't? Yours don't? Um. Hmm. <laughs> and re-watching this in the high-definition version that we get from iTunes, which, by the way, you can purchase too, oncepodcast.com slash season three hyphen iTunes. With uh, the high-definition version, I noticed more when we don't see Rumpelstiltskin's shadow yeah. and that they intentionally removed it. Like when he's cutting it off, you see the shadow ripping yeah. off of his feet. You see it like fluttering <laughs> away from his feet on the ground. Yeah. The special effects guys were probably like, oh, sure, all the time we've spent on green screen stages and now it would be perfectly fine to omit the shadow, but now we're on sets and we have to remove <laughs> the shadow. Great. Well, At least they, they look like real sets. Yeah, they're, they're still doing a pretty good job with it. I know it's not movie quality, but still pretty good. And I'm really glad that they did pay attention to those details. Like, as soon as Rumpel cuts it off, you don't see the shadow there. Mm-hmm. And also later on, when he's talking with Belle and the camera is pointing down at him from up above... There is definitely no shadow for They're him. There is for Bell. Very thorough. Yeah. So that they and then most of the other shots we don't even see his feet. So they're just yeah. you know budget couldn't show more <laughs> non shadows. Non shadows. Nice. We got this message in from Once a Believer about uh, Rumple and Peter Pan. Once a Believer said, "Rumple and Peter Pan obviously know each other. Last season, Rumple told Bay he could easily turn him back to the age of fourteen. What if Pan and Rumpel are related and Rumpel cursed Pan as a boy to Neverland like Regina banished Cora to Wonderland? Huh. And Rumpel knows about the shadow ripping thing. <laughs> Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have cut his shadow off. I, I sometimes wonder if it's like a protection on himself that this is something that Pan then cannot have as power over Rumple. Oh, yeah, of course. If you have the dagger, the dark one, you control the dark one. Well, I mean, more than or less than the dagger is the shadow itself, I'm saying, that maybe that's something that oh, then... like this, Cora in the heart? Yeah. Like she, hmm. Oh, yeah. He's exactly. not keeping his shadow or everybody else Gosh, does. There could be important pieces of rumple all over that island like <laughs> dagger here shadow here hearts over here <laughs> cue the harry potter and horcrux reference <laughs> <laughs> no we're not we're still not sure if like how peter pan plans to obtain the heart of henry 
Like, Ugh. actually. Do we know that he really wants to do that? Well, I mean, he's already talking to them as two separate entities. I mean, it is once upon a time. <laughs> Hearts are rather modular on the show. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've got some great feedback to share on that as we get closer near the end of our conversation, too. One other email here about some theories of the connection between Rumple and Peter Pan comes from Art. He said, I have a theory that Pan and Rumple were once friends. Rumple, a former lost boy, and Rumpel wanted to go back home. Pan did not want to go. Now Pan is overreacting like a child whose friend moved on with life. I could see that a little bit. They had some kind of connection, enough that Rumpel knows maybe he has to protect his shadow, or maybe he's vulnerable having a shadow, or all of this. And he brought the dagger with him. It's a little surprising, but maybe he feels like he can protect it better by having it with him. Well, yeah, who knows what's going to happen to Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. So then we come to our friends journeying through the (laughs) island. And thank you to them for at least acknowledging that they've created a lot of shortcuts potentially and giving us a, you know, weak but reasonable answer as to why Regina wasn't just poofing them places (laughs) i love that not that that sounds like a very regina-like thing to say but it's a good description i think it sounds very (laughs) regina-like i think certain things like that they put in there just for us fans because well many of the fans will refer to as just he poofed away and all of this and so they might stick it in there just as a nod to the fans i love how everybody is talking speaking so modernly in this season (laughs) I'm I'm really enjoying that, like poofed, and Neil was talking about movies, and <laughs> it's just fun to listen to. Well, the reason they were walking is because Hook said there are many dangers in the island. Yeah. Uh, be- I would assume besides the Lost Boys. Well, there was that thorn bush. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I made a note of the thorn bush because Hook, in the 2003 version of Peter Pan, poisoned peter pan from crying from the red of his eye and he had this this Mm. poison that he cried it was a mixture of malice and deceit and stuff it was it was poison that he made from his eye that's really gross because his eyes turned red when he was about to murder but anyway (laughs) i thought it was interesting that they said that this he used a poison from a thorn bush and not the red of his eye Dream shade. That's uh, what it was called. Or I like what August W. Booth called it in the chat room. The creepy thorn bush of doom. (laughs) That stuff's called dream shade? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. And Hook said that he used this uh, concentrated dose on Rumpelstiltskin. But in its natural form, it's a slow and painful death. Yeah. So two things I get from this. One is... This is one of those things where they set us up with something in the beginning of the episode and then they show how it ties together at the end. So we're supposed to assume from this that this is what Charming is going to start suffering from, a slow and painful death as he's been poisoned from, we assume, the same thing, dream shade. Could take eight or nine weeks. (laughs) Or, yeah. I wonder why they call it dream shade. I don't know. Cool name. It shades your dreams. But, you but think the you're other gonna dream, but no. But the other thing this tells me is since Hook said in its natural form, it's a slow and painful death. He did not want 
Rumpel to live much longer because he used a concentrated dose to try and kill Rumpelstiltskin as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty much. He'd so, waited long enough. I'm I'm concerned for Charming now because now I've put two and two together. He's got a dream shade scratch <laughs> on his side. I'm concerned mm-hmm. for him. But at least it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. I like that it gives a little more hmm, accuracy to Hook's statement that he spent time in Neverland figuring out how to kill Rumpel. He actually found methods only found in Neverland. Or at least one, anyway. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder if that poison can even work on magical people. Like, maybe he had some reason to believe it could work on Rumpelstiltskin, even inside Storybrooke. No, wait a minute. That's right. Hook did not expect magic to be in Storybrooke. Because Cora brought that to his attention by poofing in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) Poof. And that made him realize that, yeah, Rumpelstiltskin would be invulnerable. Snow and Emma, just a little bit before this, though, had an interesting moment. Thanks, Mary Margaret. You know, Mary Margaret's a bit formal. You could call me Mom if you want. You've done it before. That was back when we were about to die. Oh, no, I get it. My prediction is before the end of this season, we will see Emma call Snow mom. Yeah. Because their relationship really develops in this episode, which we'll get into more in a little bit. But this, again, I think they're setting us up for this is something that she wants and she's going to get it before the end of the season or before Snow dies. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't kill the Charmings. <laughs> they just can't. They can't. But from this, we get some great comedy because once again, Disney makes or ABC makes fun of a Disney movie. Tell me something, love. In these stories, <laughs> what was I like? Other than a villain, handsome, I gather. If waxed mustaches and perms are your thing. <laughs> I take it by your tone, perms are bad. <laughs> Once again, I love how they're speaking like so modernly. <laughs> I predict that by the end of the season, Hook will learn what a perm really is. <laughs> and he'll grow to like it. And he'll become the traditional looking Hook. Oh, my. <laughs> the red coat, the red coat and the hat with the red feather in it. Perm. Speaking of growing, though, Herc said that the dark jungle had grown somewhat. I wonder, was it the rocks that grew or was it the forest, the trees that grew? Well, let's think, let's, let's apply some path of least resistance reasoning, some simplest answer. We're going to say the trees, the things that grow. <laughs> but no, people don't grow up in Neverland. I, well, no, but plants well, apparently do. I think, they do. I think Pan needed to hide, so the trees aided ah, what he needed. They, they helped him. Yeah, good idea. But it seemed like Emma was the only one who could hear all of the kids crying. Yeah. Which, at first I thought, well, is that because she's a mother and none of the others were mothers? But then again, there's Snow. She's a mother. Snow didn't wake up. She's a grandmother. Yeah. 
Well, the what I thought was funny and, about I mean, that blood scene, mother that is gave birth kind of mother. Was he like, I wonder why the others can't hear the crying or whatever? And I was like, well, they also didn't seem to hear Emma yelling, so I guess they're probably just sleeping pretty soundly. Hey, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Pan wants Emma there, so maybe she heard it because she. He wants her there. He, uh, uh, Wendy also heard it. So, I mean, Pan wanted her there. We don't the know shadow that for took, sure. The shadow took her for a visit. Lost kids here, lost kids. Well, I think that's probably You know, the going point. back to that, it seems like Wendy was the one who willingly went to Neverland, that she wasn't taken there. She was. She was. She was No, she wasn't there. taken. She was. I'm agreeing. She... <laughs> Wanted to go. She yeah. wanted an adventure. Which, why the shadow went along with that, I don't know. Unless maybe the shadow was looking for a certain female and then just changed its mind again and started looking for boys. And that's why it went after Wendy's younger brother. Maybe that was a means to getting to Bay. Right. Yeah. How this stuff all ties together and behind the scenes plots, we really don't know. But Pan is certainly a scheming one. But he did say, as mischievous and as badly behaved as he is, that he always keeps his promises. Mm -hmm. I think we should remember that. Because we're going to, no doubt, see him say things again. I think we should assume that he's speaking the truth. Makes me think of Rumpelstiltskin. Because Rumpelstiltskin doesn't break deals. He only broke one. Yeah. And he regretted that for the rest of his life. And still so far, it. yeah. So, you know what Pan does do? He poofs, <laughs> apparently. Or he, he just, hides behind trees fast. He just appears, kind yeah. of like Rumpelstiltskin does. Yeah, I may know that too. wonder how he did that. Uh, you know what? That might be proof that they knew each other. Yeah. Because, because Pan never breaks promises. Rumpelstiltskin may never... Um, he never breaks a deal. And they both disappear. And even Hook knows to take Pan at his word. Yeah. Maybe they were taught those things by the same abandoning father. (laughs) Possible. Possible. Where else could the doll have come from? But uh, Hook, in this dialogue, it also seems like Hook knows about Pan's games. As if maybe he's had to play Oh, did I say Hook? I meant Rumpelstiltskin. No, you said Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to mention Hook uh, here for a little bit. Okay. Um, because it seems like Hook has a familiarity with the games, and I'm wondering if that's how Hook left Neverland, is that he played one of these games against Pan, performed well, beat him, because remember later on... Good form. And yeah, later on, Pan said to Emma, good form, but to to earlier than that, so about... I don't know how much long later in the episode, but when they're ambushed by all the Lost Boys, Pan had said specifically to Hook that he expected more from him. And Hook said that he would get it. So it makes me wonder if they've had some kind of one run-in that Hook won, and that's how he was able to leave Neverland, is that Pan then let him leave or helped him leave because Hook beat him at some game. Mm. Or maybe Hook said something like, I'll bring you the dark one, or I'm going to kill the dark one. Would you like me to go do that? Then let me go. Anything like that, it could have been. But Pan seems all about the games. He's a mischievous boy. 
Yeah. That's who he is. He's a mischievous boy. He loves games. Maybe been an adult at some other time. And he's playing a weird game about how Emma finds Henry because he says this. So it's not about finding Henry. It's about how you find him. And Emma, you were the only one who can. It's kind of like, it reminds me of, it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Yeah, He likes puzzles. Mm-hmm. She had to solve a puzzle. I I don't think he was. I don't want to think he was ever a grown up. I want to think that he's always been a child and he's been a child for a very long time. Well, and this whole story of Peter Pan is the boy who never grew up. Right. That's like his nickname, if kind they, of like Katniss Girl on Fire. Peter Pan, boy who never grew up. And there was an actual crocodile. Mm-hmm. So, again, once upon a time, <laughs> anything could be different. And Hook doesn't have a perm. True. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. Hook wears makeup. <laughs> when Rumple was... Uh, well, when he saw Belle, that whole scene... I that was so weird. I still can't figure it out. How'd she get there? But the only thing that I thought of was Neverland's run on imagination. Mm-hmm. So he imagined her. And remember, in fact, what he said before he left the boat in the last episode is he said, not just it runs on imagination, but that imagination runs wild Mm -hmm. in Neverland. Yeah, so So, maybe he just imagined her being there because he wanted, he he needed her. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit Sunday, but I've changed my mind again watching it because she said things that only actual Belle would know. Yeah. If... It is to be believed. It's not just his own mind reassuring that, yes, the protection spell worked and, yes, Storybrooke is safe. It's fishy. Maybe he wanted to hear all that stuff. Maybe, but it's she just, just said so things. How on earth? She even started, you know, it wasn't kind of, she was very much herself. It was like, well, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, I don't know. She didn't yeah, say all the things weird. like, I'm a manifestation of your mind. <laughs> So, really, I know everything that you want to tell you. And, yeah, I don't know. It, maybe she'll talk about it well, in, Chris, when we see Storybrooke. Maybe it's kind of like in Lost, kind of like a Hugo thing. He's seeing people. Yeah, and, and we may see this again. As uh, Chris suggests in his email, he says, What if presenting loved ones to people in order to motivate them and get them to where they need to go is one of the island's mysterious abilities. Perhaps Regina will see Daniel, which might further motivate her to stay on her redemptive path. Hook will see Mila, perhaps reminding him of his tender, loving side. I know, I can already hear you scoffing, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says in the scene. Nice. (laughs) And Emma will see Neil, possibly causing her to start to wonder if he is still alive. I like that. (laughs) I want to stress that I have not seen any kind of promo or press release indicating any future plot point along these lines. My theory is not based on any spoiler. Seek a doctor. This is just a little disclaimer. Seek a doctor. <laughs> but yeah, great idea, Chris. It would be cool to see Daniel again in some way motivate Regina and, and like these hmm. things that he suggested. I Well, okay. And I should clarify, because I watch too much science fiction, I just take for granted that people are thinking this. When I say, is Belle really there? I don't mean physically. Yes, a projection of his mind, but mentally, are they connected at that moment? Oh, yeah. I didn't make that clear. No, and that's my question. Not, was she really, really there? 
because I don't think physically she was. I don't think anyone else would have necessarily seen her. But does she, was it her consciousness that was connected to his or not? That's my question. Maybe Neverland makes you go crazy. Maybe. Yeah, because he was asking her those questions, like, about Storybrooke. Right. And she was answering them, not in the, I'm not really here, I'm only in your head, so I don't know kind of way. She was like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, give me the news. That's what he wanted to hear. I'm sure that's what he wanted to hear. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to imagine that she said that because that's what he wanted to hear. Mm Mm-hmm. One of our listeners, Yoda is better, said, yes, he's an orphan, but that's in the past. Time to accept it and keep going forward. He who? Uh, Rumpelstiltskin. He is? Yeah, his dad left him, oh. I remember. Oh. We don't know what oh. happened to his mom. Was that an obvious theme of this episode that I missed? Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because because the doll was. was from his dad. Yeah, it was the last right. thing that his dad gave him. True. And, <laughs> and It's always the mommy and daddy issues with these writers always (laughs) yoda is better also said not only does it seem that pan wants people to feel that they're alone he also wants them to embrace their past and not look to the future Hmm. yeah that's good that's a good description and he points out that rumpelstiltskin cannot get rid of his past he he just has to embrace it basically keep it in his pocket and stop trying to get rid of the doll and forget, but just embrace who he actually is. As he admitted to Belle in their little conversation, he said, I'm a coward. And so he's got to face that. Yeah. Because he's been a coward. But. Why doesn't he just stab the doll with the with the knife? Why and he, he finds out that? it's a voodoo doll himself. <laughs> Well, but then Yoda is better suggests maybe the solution to all of this. He said the focus of this episode was on Emma as well, getting her to accept that she still feels somewhat like an orphan. In this episode, she admits it and Pan wins. For our heroes to win, I think they have to find a way to do the exact opposite. They need to embrace their future. Emma eventually needs to accept that she does still feel like an orphan, but she also needs to accept that she isn't one anymore. How? Snow already gave us the answer at the beginning of the episode. She needs to start calling them mom and dad, mm. as weird as that sounds. Thank you, Yoda is better for that That's feedback. That's good. Good feedback. Yeah, I could see that because, yeah, they, they led us so much in this to think one way. And it really seems like a lot of things they are really turning on our head. They, meaning the writers, are turning on the head and flipping it around for us to accept the opposite thing. So... Here's a line. Again, just out of place, uncareful, or does it mean what I think it means? Regina, who's searching for the name for some reason, says, I can feel his smugness. He's smug. Does that mean, is that a familiar smugness? Did she know Pan as well at some point? How does she even know he's smug? I think that's just... Or does she just feel general smugness and be like, well, that's got to be the guy that took my kid. Maybe she understands smugness and how it feels. (laughs) Well, she should. I mean, Pan has always been labeled as smug by Hook in like all the other fairy tales. 
hmm. versions. Yeah, and Regina hadn't seen Pan up until that point. I think it was just a nod to Pan's character and how they're keeping how they're keeping to his his character. Yeah, he's he's definitely different. He's kind of a villain now, but his character is the same. He's mischievous, he likes to play games, he he didn't disappear, but he did fly, and he was smug. Well, Hook called him a demon, well, even though he looks like a boy. Yeah, well, Hook wouldn't have many words of praise for well, his enemy. That did make me wonder if maybe the whole being a boy thing is just a disguise of his true form. Nah, it's just I think it's poetic just, speech. Yeah, I think so, too. Speaking of poetic speech, I loved hearing bad form because <laughs> I just, I love that. I've yeah. always liked that about hook's character but it was kind of weird to to hear pan say it Mm -hmm. i've always loved the language of peter pan and hook hook got to fight with felix again which apparently they'd had some fight before and hook said that he did something we assume tragic to to rufio Rufio. (laughs) so he wasn't just talking about like Running his underpants up the flagpole? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, in in the um, in Hook, the one with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. Hook kills Rufio. So maybe they were just. Oh yeah, that's right. He does. Maybe that was a nod to that version. Yeah, and and that was uh, Sony, I believe, huh? who did that. Oh, it wasn't Disney who did um, oh, yeah. Hook with Robin Williams, right. and they created the character of they Rufio. Did. Rufio took, Interesting. Rufio took Pan, Pan's place when Pan grew up. Hmm. So we have Rumple realizing and embracing in a sense that he's a coward. And as he was walking through the forest a, a bit before this, it seemed like he was scared. Yeah. Too. He's acting like a coward. And I think that could be something that Pan is using against all of these characters is confronting them with who they really are or who they really were in some way. So my theory, my guess, prediction, that's the word I'm looking for, (laughs) is that the next several episodes will focus on different characters and in some way show us their faces being rubbed in who they once were. Interesting. Like now that I, I think the next person would maybe be charming, because he's wounded in this, so, so maybe the next episode will focus on him. Or maybe that will be the episode where he, dare I say it, dies. <gasps> no! If he dies. He can't here's, die! Here's the question. Is there going to be any point to that? Are they going to move people forward? Because we kind of already know what they struggle with. I mean, there was a little bit of a revelation, but we knew how Emma felt. So... I guess in this case, she seems to be moving forward, maybe starting to work past it. I just hope that that's sort of really the case that, you know, next year it's not still, you abandoned me! Yeah. Okay, got that. Yeah. You're supposed to be dealing with it. So I I hope that really confronting all this stuff is going to cause character growth. Well, and she said that being a Neverland makes her feel like an orphan again. Mm -hmm. It's not just that she's confronted with the past. It's she feels like she used to feel. I think again. that the past becomes very real to you when you're in Neverland because that's all you have. Yeah. yeah. No future. No future. It's just 
who you once were. And who, yeah. yeah. But it was great to see Snow and Emma have that real good bonding moment. They there. cried together. <laughs> <laughs> Put two women together and have them cry. <laughs> and and then we'll be, they will be closer at the end of it. No doubt. Even if they're crying about different things. <laughs> Just kidding. Crying is an experience. But it's, it, I think the relationship took to a new level this time. Yeah. And very raw, very emotional, very um, vulnerable to each other of who they, what they really felt, the guilt that they felt and the mistakes that they made. Yeah. Guess what? Snow really does have more wisdom, at least <laughs> in heart issues. She does. I think I think Snow had to come to terms. I think she is coming to terms with the fact that her daughter had to grow up as an orphan just as much hmm. as Emma had to come to terms with growing up without a mother. True. But I was thinking about something here as I'll jump just as a reference at the end. Pan says, you're going to be an orphan. Who here, uh, not um, our panel, but in, <laughs> in the characters that we see on Neverland, they're all orphans. Except for Emma and Henry. But well, Charming's dad is dead. Died a long time ago. So is his mom. His mom is dead. Yeah. Snow's mom died a long time ago. Well, killed by Cora. <laughs> Her dad is dead. Killed by Regina via the Gina, genie. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin's dad was a coward. Ran away. Probably dead. And You're brilliant. Mom, I just want to say that. <laughs> I, I don't think... I think I would have been... A few episodes, quite a few episodes down the road from now to, in order to realize <laughs> what you just said. And although we don't know whether it's actually true, in the last season, in um, Second Star to the Right, Hook said to Bay that Hook's dad ran away when he was just a boy as well. Yep. So all of these characters, and Regina uh, killed her own mother and her, and her own father. father. Yeah. Well, she didn't kill her own mother, I'm sorry, but she did want her mother killed. Yeah. And oh, then her mother right. died. So Regina is now. Well, she fully put the an heart orphan. back in. Thing so is, she had a hand in killing her mother. Yeah. We don't really refer to adults whose parents die, which happens to basically all adults as orphans. Yeah. But there has been tragic loss of parents. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact is, none of these and people. And many of them, it was in childhood. None of these people don't have parents anymore. We we don't know where Rumpelstiltskin's mother is. Well, we, we've I, never met her. I think we can just assume it was so long ago she's that she's doll. dead now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> she's that little doll. <laughs> well, when Emma does realize though and acknowledge this, the map reveals itself. <laughs> and did you recognize the map? It poofed. Um, well, only because of our forums. The yeah, the first I time I saw it, time. I thought. That looks kind of familiar. I just wonder if Actually, it's it looked similar. like Australia, come to think of it, but... <laughs> I, I thought, I wonder if it's similar to the Disney Peter Pan. But then in our forums, Slurpees and Rumpel's Girl had been uh, posting in this forum that we'll link to in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 111. And they pointed out they got some screenshots from the Disney Peter Pan, as well as a map that Disney has front of Neverland. As they do it in like mm-hmm. Disneyland, did I say Disneyland has I'm it? But not sure. There is a map of Neverland that Disney has, 
and they're the same maps. So they are using the same map. And some of the locations, I looked at this since we purchased the videos off of iTunes and get the 1080p version. I looked at this and I could read almost all of the items on the map. Indian Village, Bowline Point, Pirate's Cove, Cab Sound, I don't know, Minatee or Minatee Bay. Manatee? M-I-N-A-T-Y. That's not a thing. Actually, it is. (laughs) Oh. It is a real bay. Oh. Just north of Steveston, <laughs> off well, of go. 95, which is the interstate that runs through <laughs> Steveston. Trip. Yeah. It's a real place up there in um, British Columbia. And uh, Mermaid's Lagoon, Skull Rock. There was something I couldn't read Those because things it was are also actually near blurry. Steveston. <laughs> <laughs> and on this. Are there mermaids near Steve- Steveston? I think so. <laughs> and on this map, Pan's Secret Hideout. It's actually on the map. <laughs> nice that's why would he give that to hook well he gave it to emma yeah he gave it to emma so that emma could find part of hook's party yeah well i think he pretty much thinks hook's gonna die along with everybody except emma hook probably didn't know where the hideout actually was he seemed to know. He seemed to think it was in the he's like it's dark forest this area and he points at the island but really. he was pointing at, on the map, he was pointing to Pan's secret hideout. So that's not the one that was in the dark jungle. Yeah. Oh. But it's something else that they have to journey to. Right. And we'll have those screenshots in the show notes as well as a link to that forum. I thought Emma's tears were going to reveal the map. But if it appeared in Rainbow and it was Emma's tears, people would probably think that she was somehow related to unicorns. So probably well, wouldn't work too well. But you know what's more magical than unicorns? Our listeners. Yes. And our <laughs> listeners who have left kind reviews for us in iTunes. Thank you so much to Tech Girl 4220, August W. Booth from Canada, Rebecita, and Feasible Pancake for leaving reviews for us <laughs> in iTunes. <laughs> I love these usernames. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for writing reviews for us on iTunes. The five-star, four-star, whatever, honest ratings are great, but we really love seeing those written reviews. So please leave an honest review at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And by the way, our Wonderland <laughs> podcast has launched. It's now available in iTunes. You can subscribe to it at wonderlandpodcast.com or go to wonderlandpodcast.com slash iTunes and you can leave a rating and review there for it. I won't list everyone who has, but thank you so much, community, for rallying together your help. We, at this time, last time I checked, Wonderland Podcast was listed as the number two TV and film podcast and it's listed under new and noteworthy on the iTunes podcast front page. So that's with your support. Thank you so much for just, in a good way, spamming the listing with great (laughs) ratings and reviews and subscribing in iTunes. That's at wonderlandpodcast.com slash iTunes. It's also in Stitcher and Zoom and will soon be in other podcast directories as well. So thank you for that. And thank you to those who left the reviews for us in iTunes. And I just want to say... Feasible pancakes are things that we should shoot for because (laughs) many breakfast fails have been caused by shooting for a pancake that was just not feasible. (laughs) Bacon makes them feasible. (laughs) Bacon pancakes. (laughs) This dialogue between Captain Hook and Emma when the rum bottle was involved, 
seems <laughs> so much different. And every time I've watched this, I still think it looks different. I mentioned this in the initial reactions. But Hook asked, and just who are you, Swan? She said, wouldn't you like to know? And then he very seriously, not flirting, but it sounded like it was coming from genuine care and some feeling for her said, perhaps I would. And even just his eyes, the way his face looked, it, he wasn't trying to be all dashing yeah. and everything. It was like, I, I would. I can't yeah. read the relationship because he's, he's, um, like he cared about Bay, mm-hmm. and this is Bay's wife in a sense (laughs) that's a little strange (laughs) Uh, so i can't tell the relationship if he's being romantic with emma he is or if you just don't like hook that's it it's not even it well there it's you haven't liked hook from the very beginning well they're trying to make us like him i still just see him slashing getting ready to slash at bell's throat every time i try to like him she um she's very much like mila She's an adventurer. Mm-hmm. She's a tough girl. Yeah. Well, so, he, but I can't tell if I it's just, a romantic kind of interest, or yeah, if it's it a, or if it's like a, you are connected to a very, you know, dear person of mine. I, I think it is a romantic relationship, especially here. Besides all the the pirate flirting that we've seen before, because he did say, "I quite fancy you from time to time when you're not yelling at me." But besides all that. He, it's really here that I feel like this is when he's feeling more serious and perhaps does feel something genuinely for her. And this could be setting up or is setting up some big conflict that's going to come when Neil and Emma eventually get back together, which I do believe they will. Do you think Neil will have to duel with Hook? (laughs) <laughs> that could be cool. Yeah. Just like out of a respect thing, not yeah. like that they actually kill each other, but maybe out of respect or maybe it's like their first greeting. It's like, <laughs> get your hands off my girl. <laughs> get your hook off my girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't, you know, they need to find a better way to resolve it because that's, it, obviously it's predictable. We're predicting it. <laughs> it's too done. Just. Too done? It's been done these love triangles oh my gosh just well make something a little more black and white she's not encouraging any of this not yet she will they've got several weeks <laughs> she loves neil yeah, i think in respect i think in respect for his memory she will not just hop on board the hook train <laughs> <laughs> oh my well hook does seem to be changing and Katie suggests that change could yeah. be a part of how everyone survives in Neverland. He hasn't made a dirty joke yet this year. That's true. Mm-hmm. Other than the when she's not yelling at him thing, but that wasn't a dirty joke. No, it wasn't a dirty <laughs> joke. joke. But it was some joke about their relationship. You can make but jokes, just not dirty jokes. Katie said, maybe the key to surviving Neverland lies in facing, not in facing the truth about yourself, but having faith that you can change... And that there is more to you than your past suffering and mistakes. I love that. I love that. She just said everything I was thinking about Neverland. <laughs> They're going to have to overcome their past and embrace it, like you said, and look to the future and just kind of uh, mm-hmm. like fight with Neverland in a sense. And then when they leave, they have to be different. 
They have to be different. They will have to be different. I think there's nothing but for them to be different. Oh, there is. <laughs> they could go back and be the same. I don't want that. Well, I think in order to succeed, they're going to have to be different. No doubt. Katie continued saying, I think that if they can face these truths, accept them, and have faith that they can change and be more than the sum of their pasts and pains, they will be able to defeat Pan, whose power seems to lie in despair and lack of hope and faith. He seems to be the complete antithesis of the Peter Pan who spoke of faith, trust, and pixie dust. <laughs> Great you know thought, Katie. I'm wondering, what kind of past is Charming going to have to contend with and overcome? Because Charming led a pretty great life. As far as we know. Yeah, Feels he, he was like a, a fraud. Charming, and he, he, was a, he was a shepherd, and he lived with his mother. Maybe his past has to do with his dad, his real Maybe. dad. I think he feels like a fraud. You think? Mm-hmm. I think he feels like a fake. He still thinks he's the shepherd. Well, oh, that's his real self. The the fake self is that he's royal. Yeah, but he runs around trying to be that. So I think that's his deal. I think he's trying to be a prince, but he still feels like a shepherd, and he doesn't really know. Oh, I see. Well, be. now though, they have taken over the kingdom and. Enchanted Forest. They took mm-hmm. over the kingdom. He is a prince. So regardless of adoption, bloodlines, anything like that, he is now Is he a king prince now? or I would say he is king. Yes, but we're dealing never with call him king. hearts and emotions, not plot yeah. lines here. This is this <laughs> okay. is my prediction. This is going to be his deal if they focus on a past and a debate for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see him wrestling with that in some way in the episode in which maybe he dies. Are you gonna are, <laughs> No, I'm hitting that point hard. Do you think we'll find we'll find him like losing his confidence and his self esteem and Oh yeah, probably. What do you think that'll look like? I think I bet it'll look like David it. Nolan. <laughs> I bet <laughs> well, it will. We're kinda of seeing yeah. some of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Charming kind of annoyed me and that he wasn't taking direction too well from the one person who had already been to the island. He was like, Okay, then we'll just go this way. Even though you just said, we'll go this way. We're going to go this way. I've never been here, but we're going this way. They are starting to get along, which will come into play when Hook says, hey, can I date your daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he'll, you know, do you think he'll be that honorable? (laughs) Well, I I can see Charming at some point pulling Hook aside and saying, hey, what are your intentions with my daughter? (laughs) Couldn't you see that happening? And that would be pretty funny because they're the same age yeah i mean they're all the same all of them are the same age you're right except gold he's old (laughs) old gold old gold gold's old Uh, why do you think he split off from the group he just didn't feel like he belonged (laughs) running around with all the kids all cool kids everybody on this island's younger than me (laughs) plus everybody's hated me at some point he's spry though (laughs) pretty spry Uh, and uh Henry is being used as a token or as a, a gambling chip almost by Pan as Pan says some pretty painful things to Emma. You haven't forgiven your parents for abandoning you. Don't deny it. You haven't. That's good. Really good. Because when you find Henry, you'll understand him. What's that supposed to mean? He hasn't forgiven you either. By the time you get to him, he'll never want to leave this island. 
That worries me. I would hate to see Henry never wanting to leave Neverland. Mm-hmm. And I'd hate to see him angry at, at Emma because we all know how annoying that was. <laughs> and we haven't seen Henry at all in this episode. No, yeah, we've seen his clothes, no. though. <laughs> <laughs> For real. I was like, so wow, uh, what is well, Henry wearing? Yeah, right that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Henry's in some teepee somewhere going, I'm cold. Would you bring back my clothes? And what are you doing? I was pajamas. just taking a bath in the river. <laughs> Where'd you take my clothes? Also, it's not funny. Remarkable that his clothes fit Pan. Yeah, it was. different sizes, but that's okay. I what? thought Pan looked like a slightly older evil Henry in his clothes. Actually, <laughs> what I've heard is that Henry is growing. Quickly. I mean, Jared Gilmore, the actor who plays Henry, is well, yeah. growing tall. I've noticed he, he's taller, which but, is weird. Because have you seen his mom? His mom's not tall, so he's probably his mom in real life. Have you seen his mom? No, I have not seen Jared Gilmore's mom. You I need don't... to see a picture of his mom. Okay. She, <laughs> I'll put that on my homework list. shorter, so he probably <laughs> gets his height from his dad. Well, that's going to be awkward if he just grew like crazy while they were doing the Neverland Yeah, plot. he can't grow up in Neverland. They're going to have to work that in creatively if he does grow up. Or they're just going to have to always shoot like shots of him without his feet. He's just always going to be on his knees. Henry special, <laughs> he... Grows faster than anyone in Neverland. <laughs> well, I could see them do something, though. Explain that. We're talking a foot in seven days. <laughs> Maybe it's that heart, the magical heart. <laughs> well, Maddie sent this in saying, I think that Peter Pan will brainwash Henry to where he doesn't forgive Emma for giving him away. But the thing that makes Henry snap back into reality is Neil coming to Neverland. Ah! This is because Neil never really gave Henry away or abandoned him. I would add to this, Neil was really excited to play the father role. He was. Even patting himself on the back. As he even said, such a good is this father. my son? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's really owning it. Yeah, he is. Uh, Maddie continues, it will also surprise him that his father is alive. I asked, well, does Henry even know? Does Henry know his dad was pushed through a yes, portal? Yes, because he was yeah. with him in the cavern right up until... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Diamond go boom. I, I also think the thing that might save Charming is maybe Emma using magic to heal him. And that's from Maddie. Thank you very much, Maddie, for the email. Wait, Good thoughts. Heal who? To heal Charming. Oh. With his sword. Maybe. I want to. I want to see. Um. I want to see if Henry has magic. I mean, we know he's got a magical heart, and he's got the ability to believe like nobody else. <laughs> but does he have magic like Emma? If he does, I think we'll see it this season. Maybe it will be the the mid-season finale. We'll see Henry use magic in some way. Yeah. We also received this message in... I um, uh, didn't don't see who this came from, but it says, Peter Pan told Emma that Henry would never forgive her for abandoning him. Yet in Manhattan, Henry point blank told Mr. Gold he'd already forgiven her. So I think Peter Pan was simply lying to get into Emma's head. I think so, too. Yeah, I want it, to think so, too. It's tricky because he, he did say... I mean, I think in one sense we to, should take what he says to be truth. But then again, maybe he's making a prediction and he could be wrong in his prediction. But he holds up his deals or he hold, stands up to his word. His, do you think Henry's dealing with his past as well? 
I mean, he's in Neverland with the rest of them. Do you think he's dealing with his past? Mm, maybe. But what what kind of past would that be for him? Growing up with Regina. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't realize... Realizing he's an orphan. ...who Emma was until later on. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could see more of Henry's backstory. Growing up in a place where nobody grows up but him? Yeah. Had to be hard. Yeah, they could you show us that. You were my best friend, Which, and I outgrew you. Literally. You know what? You know what? That would give us an what? opportunity, or give the writers the opportunity to tell. Yeah. How the book came to Neverland Perfect. or to uh, Storybrooke, and how no. Henry, how Mary Margaret got it, how Henry got <gasps> yes. it. Yes. No. I want to see that. I want to see it that. It could potentially yet. be well, okay, that maybe. story. Do you think the book's gonna be like, like, series finale sort of thing? I kind of think so. Like it's like we won't learn about it until the finale. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the book is the key to everything. Hmm. I don't know. I <laughs> could see cork to everything. I could see the finale being the end of the book, showing and they lived happily ever after, and the book closes. That's oh, yeah. my prediction for what the final the finale will be. End. The yes. End. Or is it? <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> I definitely want to see how Henry got to Storybrooke and about his past and all that. Like, what happened after he was born? Where was he put? How did he How grow long up? did he cry? How long did it take for someone to find him? What how was long his did first it, word? How old was he when he got to Regina? Mm-hmm. How, how long Regina? was he in diapers? <laughs> okay. You're just being ridiculous. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here. I'm being practical. Our, our listener, Movie Bookworm 847, said, uh, points out, Pan, or theorizes that Pan can only control those who are lost, who have the look of sadness in their eyes, which Henry definitely doesn't have. Thus, Pan has no real power over Henry. In order for Pan to get what he wants, Henry in his heart, he has to make Henry feel the same way that the rest of the lost boys and Emma do. I think coming out at him with a knife would do the trick, uh, as he did in oh, the first episode. That's just physically getting his heart. <laughs> yeah. Good idea, by the way, movie bookworm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I could see that the heart of the truest believer to conquer it is maybe something that gives Pan great power to kill his belief. Mm, interesting. Um, Why would he want to kill his belief? That's precious to Pan. Well, it could be that it's precious because if he defeats it, it makes him more powerful. Oh. Uh, that's totally Captures random. I'm not it. even going to stand behind that theory very much, but that's just throwing it out there, seeing if it sticks up against the wall. <laughs> like feasible pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> but then Pan's... Ramen noodles. Pan's... Uh, Scary statement, which I think is going to be a prediction for something that might happen this season for real. When we're finished, you won't just feel like an orphan. You'll be one. It's not a prediction. It's a threat. Yeah, it is a threat because he's already gotten charming. Half true at most. So that makes him one step closer to making that. True. Yeah, there there are two ways you could look at this. One is this is his threat that he's telling Emma, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you end up an orphan. Or this is actually what's going to happen in the series. Yeah. And so like if he d- does everything in his power, maybe Emma or someone else 
maybe even Regina saves him. Maybe Regina sacrifices herself for Snow and Charming. So are you posing the question, is this what he intends to do or is it foreshadowing? Right. Yeah. Do you think he knows that Charming is wounded? Probably. He's in tune with every grain of sand on the island. Blah. No, he's not. (laughs) I'm going to believe that he is. I'm going to believe he is too, because that's true to Pan's character and all the other versions that's a lot of sand yeah it is it would just be overwhelming <laughs> and boring i'd be like you know some of you sand grains need to have a little bit of a different personality no but i what would that mean i don't know maybe is that how he always knows where they are yeah does he always know where they he's are he's in tune with neverland I think that was just a poetic way of saying it. That's kind of my point, actually. (laughs) And he is the one who said it while he was trying to deceive Henry. But I do think it's a pretty true statement that somehow he knows everything that's going on in Neverland. It's a trees grew. I think that's evidence that Pan Pan can control the island. Our listener, Emma, suggested how the character, Emma, will maybe beat Peter Pan. She said... I think Pan will take Emma to the brink of losing her father and put her mother in peril too. My theory is to defeat him, she will use reverse tactics. She will grow to realize that she is loved, cared for, and not alone. All truths which Pan himself forces on others, but may not admit himself. (laughs) That makes me think of the 2003 version when they had Hook admit that he was old, alone, and done for. (laughs) Well, I also wonder if they're kind of <laughs> wanting to treat Emma a little bit like Wendy. Like they all want Emma to be their, their mom, mother in a sense. Yeah. I think that's how she'll I think I think you know what I predict? <laughs> I predict that she will become sort of like a mother figure to the lost boys and she'll be able to relate with them because she already did it, kind of. But I don't think that's what she what they want. But I think it'll, it's what'll happen. Yeah. If she gets too close to the Lost Boys, they'll probably, you know, really start missing their mothers and she'll be, oh, look, here's a mother. Can you be my mother? Just tell the story. <laughs> well, think about her moment of strength in the last episode. It was when they got on the island and she said, I'm a mother mm-hmm. and I'm also your leader. When she embraced that, it was her moment of strength. And that could be what comes up again, because she wasn't saying that to the paper, that I'm a mother. Mm -hmm. Because Regina would have put up a fit at that. I mean, Regina put up a fit with the whole sheriff thing. Yeah. So toward Mm -hmm. the end of this story, it'll be like Emma playing follow the leader with the Lost Boys. And she'll be like, Felix, stop being menacing. We're playing. And they'll just go whistling through the jungle and singing, following the leader. And t- tuck in your shirt, too. <laughs> Get a haircut. Wipe your face off. <laughs> Don't slur your words so much. Or don't stretch them out so don't much. Don't talk with your mouth full. Stop dragging your teddy bear on the ground. <laughs> Stop ripping people's shadows off. Put that stick down. Weapons I, off the table. I said stop with the medicine. <laughs> Take your medicine. <laughs> I remember when I only had one kid. Wait. Very similar to some of the other theories. Danson's son said, I was thinking about Peter Pan and his agenda with Emma and Henry. I think it will be revealed that Pan is an orphan himself, 
abandoned by a mother and or father whom he still resents. Remember in the last episode, Pan said to Henry, and we didn't talk about this much, but he said to Henry, you think you're the only one who thought his parents were coming to get him? That could be that Pan actually felt that at some point. Uh, And Danson's son continues, maybe his big mission in life is to make other children and parents feel his pain. Everyone knows that Pan is all about games, and one thing about gamers is that they love a challenge. Wouldn't the ultimate challenge involve turning the purest believing heart into the worst cynic? And you know what? Actually, I didn't read this before I mentioned that earlier. (laughs) Turning Henry against Emma would be the biggest prize for him. Or maybe turning Henry against Emma gives Peter some kind of power, power to leave the island, power to find his parents who abandoned him. What do you think? That would make Peter like a poison. Yeah. Well, the island has poison. Yeah. And Peter's in tune with the island. Maybe maybe the island is leaking with Peter's poison. <laughs> the poison to kill Charming. Charming's poison. And well, we don't <laughs> know. It, you know, the first time we watched this, I thought Charming was just cut. Mm-hmm. But re-watching it, I could see the veins of poison uh, yeah. were spreading yeah. from the cut. Yeah. So that's something they're going to stretch out for a long, slow, painful death. Do you think if he dies, Emperor Cusco could be worked into this season? Or do you think that's a different season? Because <laughs> I want to see some Emperor's New Groove happening on Once Upon a Time. If there's a talking chipmunk. <laughs> or a llama. Or balloon animals. Hey, they called Peter Pan a demon and, you know, demon, demon llama. llama. Okay. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so I think Charming is going to be on the brink of death, if not actually die in this season. I don't want him to die. I can't. Once Upon a Time was built on the Charmings. I don't either, but I... How can I say this nicely? Don't. I, don't say it at all. I'll, I'll just... This will come out roughly. I I respect a show when they can actually kill one of the main characters and it not be at the end of a season. I I agree. I agree. But right. this is this is fairy tales we're talking about. The the happily ever after fairy wow. tales. Yeah. Yeah. They do. But maybe Emma and David and Snow will get their happy ever after moment. Before he dies. No, I hate that. I don't like it either. It's like, happy ever after. <laughs> like, I, I would be su- awful. I would be surprised if they kill either Snow White or Charming. But then again, I might not be. I do think they need to kill. <laughs> that sounds so bad. That a main character will die this season. Who that is, we don't know. I mean, look at, you know, sorry, ladies. Sheriff Graham. Was mm-hmm. so integral to the first seven episodes, mm-hmm. and then seventh episode, they kill him. Yes. But he was the huntsman. He wasn't a huge character. Well, he Charming was. Is he was a major character a in Storybird. Huge character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had plans to do it before. So yeah, they're, the pilot episode they originally wanted to kill Charming in the first episode of the series. What have they got against Charming? <laughs> and ABC <laughs> said, "No, you can't do that." Yeah. Uh, but Disney said, that. Don't "They just kill wanted it to be Charming. an all-girl show." That would just be weird because, you know, these fairy tales need a prince. You can't kill the prince charming. You can't. Don't. I I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't either. 
listener Emma wrote in suggesting, I wonder if Pan is a Dorian Gray type of character. In the story, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, Dorian sold his soul to so that he would be immortal, but this came at a price, like once upon a time. Every time he sinned, a painting of his pre-corrupted self would uh, image and wither, eventually showing, and when he did look upon it, turning him into an old, decrepit shell of a man. I wonder if a similar fight, fate would befall Pan, and if there is an object which haunts him like Rumpel's doll. And one last feedback here from Chris says, I noticed something. Everyone seems to be glossing over the fact that Snow hauled off and punched Regina over not really a whole lot ago. And that is not something Snow would normally do. So obviously she is still going to be dealing with the whole black heart thing this year. I could see that, but then again, I think they weren't completely in control of themselves on the ship. Like, being on the ship brought out something bad in them. I think being in Neverland in general brought something bad out in them. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's a place they confront their path. The pasts. effects of Neverland just they're not good. <laughs> so, we've talked about this episode Lost Girl and now it's time for you to take this conversation, your theories, your responses to this to the comments section over at oncepodcast.com slash 111 to comment on what we shared in this episode or go to our forums and chat there with many other Once Upon a Time fans and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland fans. You can go to oncepodcast.com slash forums to chat there in our little chat box or to post your theories, respond to other people's theories. But for now, we're going to finish talking about this episode, Lost Girl. And we're looking forward to this Sunday, and we'll have some spoilers from Hunter after the music and the end of our podcast, so you can check that out. But this Sunday, we'll have our live initial reactions to the episode that airs of Once Upon a Time, and we'll look forward to your feedback to that. You can email your feedback to feedback at onespodcast.com, call 903-231-2221, or you can send a voice message through the website at onespodcast.com. And when you send that, it always works best if you include the title of the episode that you're sending feedback about in the subject line of your email. It doesn't have to be the only thing in your subject line, but just if you include that, then it helps Slurpees108, who helps us sort and filter our email, to find those emails that are about the episode that we're going to be talking about in the podcast. We've got a lot of cool things going on with the podcast At the time of this recording, it's a day before Once Upon a Time in Wonderland airs. We will be hosting a live initial reactions for that 15 minutes after it airs. So that'll be 9.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at same address as usual, oncepodcast.com slash live. And that will be the only initial reactions we do for Wonderland. After that, we'll just be doing our full discussions for Wonderland. And those will be on Sundays at 6 p.m. And then our initial reactions to Once Upon a Time at 9.15, our Wednesday night full discussions are Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. A lot of cool stuff going on, and you can follow that schedule over at onespodcast.com slash live, as well as all the other podcasts that we do when they're live, and check out everything that we do at noodle.mx. Like, we just now brought into the network a podcast about the TV show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
If you enjoy that TV show, it's also on ABC. I think they're doing a great job with it. Then check out welcome to level com. It is by Ben and Daniel, not me. And they do a fantastic job. They are huge fans of the show, the series, the comic books, books. So they bring a whole lot of great background to this. And that's why I brought them into the network. I think they have the best Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast out there. So check that out at welcometolevel7.com. The podcast awards are open for nominations. Please nominate once-once-upon-a-time-podcast under Best Produced and Entertainment and make sure that you include the web address oncepodcast.com. So especially make sure that you get that writing of the title correct or or accurate there because that is our full title, Once hyphen once upon a time podcast so put that in the title for best produced as well as entertainment but we have many other podcasts that we'd love your nomination in the podcast awards you can go check that out and find out how to nominate us and which podcasts go in what category and do some copying and pasting by going to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards you can also sign up for the daily email over there for once the voting starts you'll be able to be reminded every day to vote for whatever podcast we end up having in the awards, but we need your help to nominate us. Just submit one nomination uh, for all of our podcasts, do it all at once, and any of your other favorite podcasts in the other categories. So you have uh, our, our podcasts in categories like the People's Choice, Best Produced, Entertainment, Education, Technology, Religion, Inspiration, and Comedy. So please support us by going to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards and support us with your nomination and eventually your votes. You can also follow us on Twitter to get the latest breaking news when we post uh, episodes, when things happen, when we're going live. Follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast and each of us individually are on Twitter as well. I'm Daniel J. Lewis and you can follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Check out the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 111. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed in iTunes or your favorite thing. But until next time, remember, we'll stand beside you no matter what. Yeah! Even if it means our death. Yeah! Which it probably will. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
and in the enchanted forest, Neil has a plan that could transport him to Emma, but it would involve using one of Robin Hood's most precious possessions. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Tinkerbell offers to help Regina improve her life. Besides the main cast, this episode will guest star Keegan Connor Tracy as Mother Superior, Blue Fairy, Sarah Bolger as Aurora, Jamie Chung as Mulan, Sean McGuire as Robin Hood, Robbie Kay as Pan, Jason Burkhart as Little John, Rosemick Ivar as Tinkerbell, Raphael Alejandro as Roland, Parker Croft as Felix, and Dominic Downer as Knight. In previews, Regina and Tink looked to be friends back when Regina was learning how to use magic. But then something must happen, and now it looks like Tink was mad and a bit evil. I cannot wait to see how this twist goes. From an eOnline.com interview with Edward Kitzes and Adam Horowitz, the question was asked, will we learn more about Rumpelstiltskin's past with his father? Yes, we will. Kitzes and Horowitz promised that we are definitely going to dig into Rumpel's daddy issues this season. We've hinted in the past that his father was a coward. His father's name was kind of something that haunted him and that his father left him when he was younger, Kitzes reveals. Episode 4 is called Nasty Habits, and that will be Rumpel's first backstory episode of the new season. We know that the characters know about Camelot because of Lancelot and the Sword and the Stone, so will we get to see Camelot? No, Kitsis said in a Hollywood Reporter interview. For us, it was just a fun way for Charming to deceive Snow. But Horowitz was less sure, adding that they've introduced aspects of the world. It's a world that's part of the Once Upon a Time universe. We have no immediate plans to develop deep into it, he said. It's not a world we see off-limits. Wetpaint.com had an interview with Josh Dallas and asked him questions about the poison arrow he was hit with. Dreamshade is a nasty, nasty, nasty deal, and Charming's going to have a major secret on his hands, um, Josh Dallas said. In addition to being in severe pain, Charming will also be not so charming. I think it does change his personality because it changes how he thinks, Josh added. He's living a kind of duality in front of some people. Because of it, it will make the Neverland trip that much crazier, stressful, and potentially make it seem impossible. Well, that's all I have for you today. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, Oncers.